16th hole, Phoenix Open, January 97. At 16, listen to the crowd. Tiger's got 152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. I read Talent is Overrated while ago. I really liked, and I have recommended ever since. In this book, the author provides interesting stories, scientific research that dwells on personal experiences and makes compelling case for what it really takes to go from bad to good to great. So the basic idea here is a Mozart or a Tiger Woods, those people are born with a talent. They're born with a specific gift to do just great things. But if you look at the evidence, none of them point to an innate particular talent. In fact, if you take a look at Tiger Woods, my God, the guy started swinging perfect golf by the time he was two years old than anyone who's better at the game. That's amazing to consider. So I'm not good at this, so I'm not going to try kind of attitude might be nonsensical. The fact is, it takes incredible amount of practice and work to become genius at anything. Talent is rising. Talent is powerful. Talent is unstoppable. Talent is driven. Talent is fearless. Talent is a lifeblood of possibility. Talent is the difference between greatness and irrelevance. Talent turns potential into opportunity. Talent is ready for anything and sometimes, just sometimes, talent manages to change the world. This is the talent listing. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Talent Listing with Daggy Podcast. So what does it take to become a top tier in something? What is the research saying on that? What is the reality? If you think about Tiger, when he was uh, at the top of his game, it all seems superhuman. You think that there is no way any normal human being could do what they do. So, of course, you think that they came into the world with this special gift. It seems to be the only possible explanation for their superhuman performance. So, yeah, that, that's what everybody thinks. And the research on this tells a different story. I want to emphasize that what I'm talking about here is not my own personal beliefs. I'm not spouting off my own opinions about this stuff. There is at this point 40 years of good research into this question of where great performance really, really comes from. And the answer is very clear. The reason this book is called Talent is Overrated is that the researchers have concluded talent, meaning this inborn gift, 
is not nearly as important as we all think it is. And some of the researchers actually say that talent in the sense of an inborn gift doesn't even exist. Talent in the form of an inborn ability to do something fairly specific, whether it's play tennis or play baseball or kick a soccer ball or anything like that. Talent in that sense, they say, may not exist at all. But my question here is, people saw Tiger Woods was a better swing at the age of three than most grown people who play the game. Does this mean he was built to become Tiger Woods? How is this possible? Well, the reality is that Tiger Woods did come into this world with an extraordinary gift, and that gift was his father, Earl Woods. He was born into a very unusual situation. His father, Earl Woods, had been married earlier and gotten divorced, and so he was now sort of on his second family, and Tiger was his only child. Uh, Earl Woods was a scratch golfer, handicap of zero. He was an excellent, excellent golfer. And he had spent much of his career teaching young men. He was uh, uh, in the Army, and he was a coach earlier in his career. He was an expert at teaching young men. And then perhaps more important than anything else, he had decided when Tiger was born that he was going to make Tiger the greatest golfer in the world. He put a club into Tiger's hands before Tiger was one year old. <laughs> he, he figured out ways how to teach a little kid how to do a golf stroke before the kid was old enough to talk. He put Tiger in a high chair and set it up in the garage where Earl Woods had a practice tee set up so that he could hit golf balls into a, uh, a big sheet there that would stop the golf ball. As I said, he was an excellent golfer. So he would sit Tiger there, just let him watch as he, Earl, hit shots. And it was an excellent thing. And as Earl himself said later, this was like a, a movie being played over and over and over in front of Tiger's eyes how to hit a golf ball. The reason you're never going to be Tiger Woods is that your father wasn't Earl Woods. That's the real explanation. Now, there's an important point to be made here, which has to do with athletics uh, more than anything else, which is the obvious point that in athletics, physical dimensions play an incredibly important role. And your physical dimensions are in large part, not entirely, but in large part determined at birth by what the genes you've inherited. And you can't do anything about that, right? So if you're seven feet tall, you're never going to be an Olympic gymnast. If you're five feet tall, you're never going to be an Olympic volleyball player. And no amount of practice can change that. You know, that that's important. But within those bounds, within those constraints that we all face because of our size or our body shape, what this research says is the world is open to us right? Because what makes us great is the way we prepare. And I haven't even really gotten into the specifics of that, uh, the type of preparation that the researchers have identified and described, which they call deliberate practice. So what is deliberate practice? If this is the case, what about plenty of people who are working hard but not successful? 
deliberate practice is not just practice. It is not what most people do when they think they're practicing. And that fact explains why most of them never get any better, um, even though they think they're practicing a lot. So let, let me say what deliberate practice is, because it's fairly specific. It's not complicated, but it's fairly specific. And this is what makes all the difference. First of all, it is neither work nor play. It is not actually performing uh, at whatever it is you're doing. At the same time, it's not just play. It's not something that is inherently enjoyable in itself. It is designed, it's an activity that is designed explicitly for you at this point in your development. And what that means is you're going to get better if you continue doing this. And as you continue getting better, your practice is going to have to change because you're a different person. Then the real heart of it is it is designed to push you just beyond your current ability. It doesn't try to push you way beyond your current level of ability because then you'll just be lost. You won't have any idea what to do. And it doesn't allow you to operate within your current level of ability because then you won't grow at all. So it is constantly pushing you just beyond your current level of ability. It can be repeated at high volume. This turns out to be really important. And when the researchers first identified this, that it was repeated at high volume, they didn't even know yet the brain science that would later support this. It turns out that if you do certain things at very high volume, it actually builds up connections in your brain. And if you're really, really deeply into this, including the athletics of it, you may know a term called myelin, which is a substance in your brain that gets built up by high repetition practice. And in fact, some of the coaches now talk about that substance a lot. Anyway, it can be repeated at high volume. And final element, you get constant feedback. You can't get any better if you don't know how you're doing. So you must constantly be getting feedback of some kind. It may come from a coach. It may come from video. But you got to know how you're doing or you can't get any better. So that's it. Those are the elements of deliberate practice. So what does it take to become a top tier? The process is clear. In a way, you could say this is simple. All you have to do is follow it. But you have to understand it's a long process and it's a hard process. So your goals become really important. How much do you want this? How much do you want it? How much are you willing to give? And one of the points that's important in this book is the idea that if becoming really great were simple, then everybody would do it. And so, you know, it wouldn't distinguish the great performers from the rest. It's not simple. It's hard. But we know how it's done. And so the question is, be clear. What do you want? And by the way, this comes up a lot because when I really get into discussions with people about this, eventually you get to this really deep question because you say, okay, becoming world-class great, we actually know how it's done. We know what it takes. And then people say, okay, I can see what it takes. It takes a lot. 
do I really want to do that? Do I really want to give what it takes to become world-class great at whatever it is? And I always encourage people to ask that question and to answer it honestly for themselves. Don't fool anybody. You're not fool they're, they're, Nobody cares what the answer is except you yourself. So be honest with yourself and think about how good you want to get and how much you're willing to give. Think of the people who are the best performers that you know at anything. Sports, I don't care, is it somebody in sports, somebody in music, somebody in business, whoever they are. Think of the best, world-class, greatest performers you know and ask yourself, why are they so good? Most of us, if we stop and think about that, we think of a few things. We say, well, they must have some unbelievable inborn special ability to do exactly what they're doing. Talent, that's what we mean when we say talent. Or we say, you know what, they have worked unbelievably hard. They have worked harder than anybody else. The trouble is, when you think about them, and certainly when the researchers look into them, they don't hold up very well, okay? So what can it be? The answer is something that the researchers call deliberate practice, but don't think that that is practice as most of us think of it. It is a very specifically defined set of activities. It isn't work and it isn't play. The essence of this deliberate practice activity is focusing on specific activities that you need to get better at, pushing yourself just beyond what you're able to do easily right now, and working on that over and over and over intensively until you can do it. Now, for example, Tiger has been observed to take a bunch of golf balls into a bunker sand trap and drop them in the sand and then step on them. So he has got an, a, a virtually impossible buried lie and he will hit those balls out of that lie over and over and over. Now, he may encounter that lie in actual play one, two, three times a year. And if those were his only opportunities to hit that particular shot, he'd do it terribly, just like I do, and just like most golfers do. But that's because we haven't hit that shot 200 times, and he has. And that repeated in a thousand different ways, and over a period of many, many years, is the difference. So. People ask, how can I apply this? Let's look at somebody everybody knows, Chris Rock, arguably the most successful comedian out there right now. He had a huge concert coming up, New Year's Eve, the New Year's between 2007 and 2008. He worked on it in perfect accord with all the principles of deliberate practice, meaning he started months earlier in small comedy clubs building the routine over and over and over. He was always trying to push himself just beyond what he had because he had some jokes that worked and some that didn't. And he was always trying to push past the ones that didn't and find more that did. Now, this couldn't have been easy for him. It was an enormous amount of work. And because he was always pushing, he was gonna tell some jokes that wouldn't work, okay? There was always gonna be a high element of failure in the deliberate practice activities, which is the way it always is. But 
after he went through it for months and months, he had assembled a two-hour routine that was all winners. Okay. And so he did it. The concert was a huge success. The tour is a huge success. And he did it exactly in accord with what makes all great performers great performers. What is it that we want to truly become great at? This idea how all effort we put in in this book all about is that it is not always easy. In fact, it's pretty much hard work like falling on your bed 10,000 times. But the question remains, in what, in what are you going to be great? What are you dedicating your life to? And embracing the idea it takes diligent and patient and persistent effort. I can talk about this for hour, but I have to wrap it up and get back to reading. If you love what you've heard or hate what you've heard or don't know what you've just heard, I want to know about it. You can reach me on about.me um, slash daggy underscore dawit or you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or be a podcasting app of your choice. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Thank you very much for listening. This is Daggy Dawit with the Talent Listening with Daggy. I will be back with another episode. I hope you'll join me.